and welcome to the Signpost Inn podcast, a space at life's crossroads to connect with God and find direction. Pour yourself a drink, grab a seat, and join us on the back porch for a friendly conversation about Christian prayer, spirituality, and faithful theology. My name's Matt. And I'm Brandon, and we're really glad you're here. The Signpost Inn podcast is brought to you by the Signpost Inn ministry, where we offer spiritual direction, retreats and sabbatical residencies, and lots of resources and training. You can find out more about what we do and support us by visiting signpostin.org. In this episode, we thought we'd do something a little different and just have a regular old back porch conversation with Matt and Peter and I. But just before we get started, I want to take a minute to remind you that we have an upcoming contemplative prayer retreat September 2nd through the 5th. We'd love to help you spend time with the Lord in the beautiful Colorado Rocky Mountains. Check us out at our website at signpostin.org for all the details and to register. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, Brandon and Peter. Good to see you all on the back porch again. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. So we've actually been sitting out here on the back porch for a little while and talking about things. And we thought maybe this would just be a good time to have a true, genuine back porch conversation where we can share what God's doing in our lives right now, things we're learning, and maybe our listeners will gain some benefit from that. So what do you guys think about that idea? Yeah, not that we've ever scripted any of these things, but this is definitely, let's go off script, let's see what happens, and and not only get to know each other and support each other a little bit, but maybe let people in behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. Well, and we sort of have to talk about at the outset just how exposing this feels, right? Because essentially you're inviting other people to participate in a conversation, and let's face it, not everybody agrees with us. Not everybody is in the same place or or thinks the way we think. And boy, that that's a very vulnerable position to be in because you're inviting people to, in some senses, criticize you, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, dang, Matt, I honestly thought that as we started this conversation that you would go first and I'd let you just talk the whole time and then I'd ask you some <laughs> questions and we'd run out of time. But <laughs> what you just said strikes so close to home for me because you said, what are we learning right now? And it's like, well, this is this is the lesson that I feel like God keeps teaching me my whole life. Like it keeps coming back is that in some sense, I keep finding in, in my actions this, there's no other term for it, but kind of an idolatry of other people's opinions. And so it's like, I'm, I'm genuinely afraid about talking about anything on this dang podcast because I know that the range of people that are listening is very broad. Yeah. So what if the people who are listening to me hear me say some catchphrase or word or, you know, whatever, and judge me as a loony who's off on the crazy side of things or as some weird fundamentalist who's so stuck in it that he can't see straight. I mean, like both of those would be horrible to me. I want everybody to think that I'm okay. Yep. <laughs> And I'm just afraid. And I find that to be frustrating for myself, to say the least. That I learned something funny about the word frustrating the other day. When you ask somebody how they feel about that and they say, oh, it's very frustrating, which I use that word a lot. It's like the least revealing emotional words you can say. <laughs> you know, like, what does that actually mean? It could mean anything. It could mean anything. So it's a way of sounding like you've shared an emotion without actually sharing an emotion, which I find to be so true with myself. So 
yeah, I'm not, it's, I'm not frustrated myself. I'm actually disappointed with what I perceive to be cowardice in myself. Hmm. That is a real place that I find myself often. At the same time, I have to say this. I do actually believe that what drives me most strongly is a desire to be compassionate. And I'm almost aware that that's why there's this temptation towards an idolatry of other people's opinions, because I really do love other people and I want them to feel accepted and welcomed. And I don't want to drive them away by me having an opinion that offends them. And so that tension then is there. It's like, well, sometimes I have to, sometimes I'll, you know, sometimes my opinions will, I mean, I can't please everybody. Mm -hmm. I can't be the hospitable space for everyone, nor do I really want to be. I shouldn't, shouldn't need that. Right. (laughs) But I do find that to be a real tension for me in this time of life. Well, I'm hearing, and maybe this is me projecting my own experience onto that too, but what I'm hearing maybe is that like some uncertainty about really what's going on inside? Like you mentioned cowardice. You actually, you're disappointed because you you think, and maybe this is where you've landed, you think it's cowardice. But on the other hand, you recognize you actually do care about people. So you don't just want to say, well, I don't care about what people think about me. I'm just going to march forward and who, who cares who stands in my way? And I'm hearing some uncertainty about which of those it is. And it doesn't seem like oh yeah, it's 100% cowardice, Brandon. Like, can't believe you haven't spoken your mind. But there's still this uncertainty about how to proceed. That rings true. I'm hearing that in my own head, like going, yeah, whoa, I get that. Is that what you're feeling, thinking? Yeah. I think it's really complicated, at least in the experience of it. Maybe the right way to say it is I'm afraid that it's cowardice rather than actually coming out and saying, I know it is, and therefore I'm disappointed in it. It's like, really, I'm afraid that I might be a coward. Whereas there's a part of me that recognizes that that voice that tells me I'm a coward is kind of a lingering voice from my past, which, I don't know, which for a lot of complicated reasons led me to think I need to make a difference and change the world and be willing to burn all my bridges for it. (laughs) and i and i know now i know that burning relational bridges burn or having difficult connections with people is like one of the hardest things for me to do I, i i do not want that i do not want to be burning relational contacts for the sake of ideologies and really when i get down to it like that drives me hard like that in a good way like i really believe in that principle but that does bring me into tension because I also think there's true things that are principles that I can't betray. And I, you know, so I have, and that just, it does bring me into tension in relational things. I, there are people that don't like that I have certain hold positions and I, you know, my heart cries out for the day when, when there will no longer be relational or real wars over different principles. Right. Well, and, and part of me hearing what you're saying, Brandon, wants to push back a little bit and say, I would not phrase what you like the feelings that you're you're wrestling with as any kind of cowardice. In fact, I think it's actually the other direction because I think what you just said is you have a tendency to want to press the issue. Maybe what you might be wrongly thinking of cowardice is just trying to find the right balance of like a kind of temperance and balancing mm-hmm. those two struggles because speaking for myself as 
I've come to realize in my later adult life now, I have a very strong tendency to be a people pleaser, which has often led me to make wrong choices or avoid saying something out of fear that I'm going to hurt this person. And I feel like for a lot of my life erred on the wrong side because of being afraid that I'm going to hurt this person or they're going to reject me because I stood up for what I believed or challenged them when they didn't want to be challenged. And so I feel like we might be on opposite poles of that spectrum and we're trying to find our way to meet at the balancing point where we can say we can speak truth and love and being sensitive and compassionate towards the person that we're engaging with. And yet at the same time, not letting that become so overbalanced that we become silent and we don't speak. Yeah, that rings true. I I don't know if we're opposite. I wonder if we're more similar actually, but I think I'm going to end on this and then pass the baton to somebody else to be vulnerable so I can get out of the hot seat. But one of the reasons I'm doing what I do, and I believe this is really, I believe this with a, like, whew, a deep fiber within my gut. Like there is something really that resonates so deeply about this to me. I have such a strong push inside of me to be compassionate when people are hurting or believe things that I don't agree with, or I see them in difficult circumstances in life that they may have caused themselves or not. But so like when I get involved in a conversation with somebody where I, that I disagree with them with, like I, I just, life is hard for everybody. And there is nobody out here in this world that is just a jerk, just selfish, just rebellious. And our stories are so complicated. And so I really, really believe in listening first Mm. and waiting to see and not trying to, you know, not just like assuming I understand and then attacking an idea. At the same time, I really do believe in certain principles and truths. And that's where that tension comes from. It's like, I, I get it. I get why you're where you are, but I also want to help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure this would make great podcasting, but I feel like I've received these moments here, primarily from you, Brandon, when you've said, Hey, I've, I've heard something you've said, and I think we should just take a moment to like honor that or sit with it. And like that, that's a thought that I'm having right now before we jump into something else. Do we need to take a moment of silence? And thank you. Thank you for sharing vulnerably. I mean, even just among us and knowing that we're welcoming others into this conversation, but there might be an invitation from God just to sit with that for a little bit before we transition to Matt or I sharing as well. Yeah, I think I'd appreciate that. Well, I guess... We'll take a couple minutes and move on from there. Amen. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you all start. I'm glad you said something because I didn't know how long we were supposed to do that. I've never done that before. So <laughs> I'm glad I could follow you guys. You know, um, maybe I'll just hop in here with a transition. But, you know, I feel like God has led me into a place in my life where I've tasted and seen his goodness. We talk about practicing, noticing his presence, 
those moments of prayer of just, you are present here with me, God. And, you know, it's not this magic potion that makes stuff happen, but I've tasted peace and this really beautiful place, right? Psalm 23 has just been really pivotal for me. Not that I haven't known it since a youth, but like just meditating on it, that he, God is my shepherd. I could stop there and just think about that. But the line, and I think it's verse six about, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know, something about that. And like, I'm, I hear that as an invitation from Jesus to, regardless of my circumstances, just to say, you know, you can slow down here. It is okay. There isn't an urgent need for you to do or get I have it all right here. Come sit down. The tension that I've experienced, I feel like, is, and I'm still struggling sometimes to notice the invitations or accept them. You know, sometimes I'm like, no, I can't let go of whatever is occupying my thoughts or my my emotions right then. But the tension, I feel, is like on re-entry into the, quote, real world, right? I feel like this beautiful invitation from God to come away to detach from my cares and concerns and kind of like Mary and Martha, you know, just sit at his feet for a while and and be like, you know, this is the thing I need. And I want to choose it. I want to consent to this reality, God. And it's honestly, it's really wonderful. The tension for me is how do I bring that space of peace into my interactions with other people because I, I feel this dichotomy within myself of this peace. And then like, it doesn't take very much time after like a moment of prayer or silence for me to be stirred back up again by my loved ones, my, my family and, and things, the situations of life come in. And suddenly I'm responding in this nasty sort of, I, you know, I'm defending me and mine again. And I'm like, wait, we just were sitting with Jesus going, yes, God, you are what I need. Thank you. I don't need to defend myself. I don't need to, like, you are sufficient. You're providing for me what I need. Thank you. Get up out of the table, you know, walk away, and I, like, blow my top off at somebody, and it's like, what is going on? It's not always, you know, that angry outburst, but uh, but anxiousness and anxiety flood back in. And for me, I want to learn to bring that space with me. I think the way that I've been thinking about it and saying it is that I'm practicing it. I want it to be a way of being that shapes and molds how I interact with other people. And and I'm not very good at it right now. Honestly, it makes me a little sad. I know what I could be experiencing and I know the graciousness and compassion of Jesus for me. And I know it's available. And so I guess feel like my shoulders sort of like slump and like defeat when I sound off again or retreat to my anxieties. I'm like, oh, Peter, come on. You know what's available to you. You know that you can trust God with this and, and respond compassionately to others because he's showing you compassion. And I just feel this like, oh, I, I want that. And why can't, why can't I do that? Peter, I just appreciate you. I appreciate you phrasing it in terms of what you want that you want to have that peace go out with you into other parts of your relationships, as opposed to phrasing it in terms of, I should, I I appreciate Mm -hmm. that a lot. I just noticed it several times that there was a honesty and a vulnerability of your desire. It even makes you sad, not disappointed or angry at yourself, just sort of sad. Well, the, the word that comes to mind is just impressed. 
this journey that I've been on over the past few years of tuning into the presence of God every day through contemplative prayer and through meditation on the Psalms and, and just the various other spiritual disciplines that, that you know, frankly, I've, I didn't grow up with. I didn't really know about them until becoming an adult and, you know, working towards that. And it sounds like you've, at a significantly younger age than I, have begun to grasp that and carry that out. I still feel like such a novice, you know, that, I mean, I feel lucky if I can get that what you just described for maybe five minutes in a day at some point, like maybe it's at the beginning of my day or maybe it's towards the end or something when I finally carve out time to make that happen. And I don't know, I guess in a certain sense, there's a little bit of a righteous jealousy, like, oh man, I wish I was there too. But then also I think on a certain level, there's, there's kind of a, a hopeful expectation. It's like, oh wait, there's, there's even more to be found there. It's not just a tiny nuggets, but a whole banquet available. So yeah, thanks for sharing that, Peter. It's funny, your comments, I want to accept them, appreciate them, but I'm aware of this tendency and I'm just going to connect it into like some of my own reactions and leaving this space of peace that I've found. A lot of times it's so easy to blame the other people or the other life situations for yeah. taking me out of it as if they could actually have that control over me right? Mm. But you're just saying, oh, you've attained something. And sometimes that's the mindset that I can have of, oh, I am very spiritual. Not everybody does this. And certainly not the person who's making me mad right now. I can go through this superiority complex of just like, if only everyone else thought and, and practiced like me, then they'd be at peace and they wouldn't be dragging me out of my green pastures. Like, <laughs> screw you. <laughs> so that's just being honest. But your comments there brought that up is like, man, sometimes I can definitely feel like the goodness of that moment can be like, I don't know, I can get puffed up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we all can. And I resonate with that pretty deeply. But I do think it's interesting to notice the like right now, whether this is right or not, I have in my mind the listener and to be on the outside of this and to notice the difference of experience that we had over your your own experience as you described it. Because you were describing, if I'm not mistaken, a turmoil, a difficulty, a thing that to you feels like a burden in your life. I, <laughs> I know that there's peace to be had. I wish it were more in my life. And for you, that experience sounded like it was challenging and there's some frustration, anger, shame, guilt, sadness in it. And Matt and I are watching it and we're experiencing it as, man, he's got some peace in his life. <laughs> <laughs> we're seeing a genuine longing and we're seeing a genuine desire for God and not a superiority at all. I find that so interesting that one of the things that maybe, you know, maybe one of the invitations both for me and for you, Peter, is... To allow God to show us our own experiences from the outside a little bit, objective, you know, like, yes, I agree with you. If I could have the spiritual life in the way I want it, then it would all be green pastures and flowing streams and kindness and gentleness and warm fuzzies, period, dot. <laughs> but the reality is valleys of shadows of death and anxieties and sin and my own pride and my own anger and all the stuff that I don't like. But again, from the outside, I think I really do believe this for you. I don't know if I believe it for myself, but I really do believe it for you that the Holy Spirit's through it all. He's no less with you when you are blowing up at your wife, having just come out of a prayer session 
than he was when you were in it. You know what I mean? And I really do believe that for you. <laughs> you know, on, there's a little tongue, tongue in cheek that's we're going there. But honestly, it's so true that sometimes we need this otherness, this other person, you right now, you and Matt for me to say, hey, no, there's there's something here that I'm seeing that maybe you're not. And yeah, I I accept that. And I, I want to thank you for helping me maybe see reality more clearly. And I think it's the beautiful thing about providing spaces of hospitality and gathering with people is that there's this level of like, I, I, I've had all these thoughts that I just shared with you in my head, but I haven't had the same experience unless I'm talking and bringing yeah. it forward with you guys. And it's, it's just something very good. So yeah. thank you. Yeah. Well, I'd like to offer you the same thing you offered to me, which is just a little bit of silence, just to appreciate what God has done in your life and what, what honesty you bring to it. And I'll just, I'll say amen again in a few seconds. So Matt, we've all uh, had a turn in the hot seat. Well, thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Made it no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. No, thanks, guys. I really love being able to do this with you guys. I've found, and you know, Brandon, I think the first time I experienced this was, was with you a few years back, before Signpost in Ministry was a thing, and I was reading through a celebration of discipline, and I got to the discipline of confession and recognizing that it in my life up to that point, I'd only practiced confession towards God, right? And that was as far as I'd ever thought about, like we confess our sins to God and that's it. We're done. You know, God has grace on us and and missed out so much on the blessing there is in confessing one to another, confessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ in the, obviously in the appropriate way and in the appropriate circumstances, but just discovering that and recognizing like, oh, what? Uh, not necessarily with a sense of regret, but the sense of I, I've missed out on a very rich part of the Christian life for most of my life because I didn't know this. This is just something I just didn't know. And it nothing really drives it home quite as well as what, what we've been participating in for me and my wife. Our church has a, a recovery ministry that we've offered for a few years. And about eight months ago, we started attending. And then I'm thinking, well, we're going to support this ministry of our church. You know, maybe I'll get something out of it, but I don't really need anything. You know, I don't need recovery, which, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> I had no idea how much I needed to participate in this ministry and, and experience it. And and the biggest part of it is just having a forum. Well, forum's the wrong word. Having a safe space to practice confession as a spiritual practice and know that in this place, we can be vulnerable. We can be transparent. We can bear bear one another's burdens in a very real way. And wow, what a rich blessing that has been. For one, even just learning the vocabulary of how to do confession well and how to simply pull somebody aside and say, can you hear my confession? Or, or you know, what oftentimes might be more accessible to people is, can I vent to you for a minute? <laughs> mm-hmm. And whenever you... And everybody vents, right? And there's a lot of people who are 
verbal processors and we just need somebody to bounce ideas off of. But the idea of, of transitioning that concept into more of the concept of confession is, is to bring God into that story also and say, um, here's something I'm dealing with. Maybe it's a struggle, maybe it's a sin, or maybe it's, maybe it's fear, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's pride and just being able to flip the lights on and look at the problem with another person and be able to say, I want to invite another person into this, a trusted brother in Christ to say, I'm experiencing something. Can you help me shine a light on this? Maybe just encourage me, maybe rebuke me, maybe pray for me. But one of the key things that I learned out of this ministry was right at the very beginning is they said, a burden shared is a burden divided. And what a profound insight that is to say for, for anybody, whatever they're struggling with, whether it is something like drugs and alcohol. And I've gotten phone calls from brothers that are in a state of temptation saying like, man, I need you to pray for me right now. I feel tempted to go back to my addiction. And just being able to, again, speak it out loud, recognize it, turn the lights on and pray for each other is so powerful. And this is the thing that I think is so profound about it. The struggle of going to hardcore drugs as an escape and the struggle of dealing with fear is the exact same. I mean, yeah, the details are different, but we can dwell in fear in the same way that an an addict goes to drugs and it's just as destructive. It, It may not work itself out in the same consequences, but the giving in to the temptation to doubt God is just as real as the person who's addicted to alcohol or drugs or porn. And it's so great to be able to learn how to see that, recognize that, and put it into practice, put into practice the spiritual discipline of confession one to another. What I hear in that is something I, I resonate with too, which is just a, I think, honestly, I think everyone resonates with this if they're, if they can get in touch with it. It's that, that desire to be known with the absolute surety and confidence of still being allowed to be loved and still being accepted. There's just such a longing to be able to say, here is everything Mm -hmm. to know that I'm going to be accepted and not accepted with caveats, not like, well, we'll allow you to be here out of pity, Mm. but allowed to be here because I'm still valuable Mm. because I'm still critically important. And I think that's something that is, I mean, it's, it's so powerful, but it's, it's certainly, I think, very unique that the gospel brings that other, other ideologies and other ways of doing the spiritual life, what I would, what I would call and consider counterfeits, but something the gospel really does offer us is this freedom to completely be who you are and yet still be completely accepted. And, you know, we've talked about it many times, Brandon, before, but this, just the, the imagery, the biblical imagery that we have throughout scripture of God being our father, a tender, compassionate, loving father. And in the same way that no failure on our part is going to result in his rejection of us. Well, you know, Matt, I think in the spirit of the conversation that we're having, I think it needs to be said that you are critically important. That's what I hear you saying in some sense about one of the things you long for. And I also know you outside of this. So I feel like it's also important for me to say it because it's something that 
could be easily taken for granted, both in our friendship, but also just in, no, I think in our friendship, it could easily be taken for granted that you, you know, that I think you're really important to me, but I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know that. So you are, you're really important to me. Thanks, man. I feel the same way. This was great. I, I love, oh man. I just love having these conversations with you guys sitting on the back porch and uh, I can't help but let my mind fantasize a little bit and think maybe this is just a slight glimpse of what heaven's going to be like of Mm. just being able to have good conversations and uh, that overwhelming feeling of being, being loved and accepted and uh, the joy of fellowship and family, you know? I really do think that in heaven, there's going to be these wonderful stories told where you're going to be able to sit down with me and hear me tell you with just joy in my voice and with glistening, you know, with glittering eyes, just this kind of like, let me tell you all the crap that I did and how it's been redeemed. Am I also hearing too a little bit, Matt, and what you're saying that we've got this longing for heaven in that union, mm-hmm. but I'm hearing you connect that to your experience with the practice of confession here on earth that like, no, I'm getting a taste of that where I'm able to fully disclose things and there's unity and and love and forgiveness shared. And it's really good. I didn't know that was possible. I think that's, well, you know, that foretaste of like, yeah, I can't wait till that's like everything Mm -hmm. where everything is fully known and I'm fully accepted and all that. And is that the connection that, you know? Definitely. Oh, yeah. And I appreciate you putting it in that way because what it makes me think of is all the way going back to the Garden of Eden. And right after the fall, what's the first thing that they do, even before God shows up and asks them what they've done, is they go and they sew fig leaves together. And it's funny because the way the scriptures talks about it before then, there's no shame in the nakedness before that, Right. And so there's this sense of like, what's the, why is their first reaction to go and cover themselves up? Well, again, I'm not a theologian, but the, the imagery that I can't help but see is like, well, it's because they're, they got to hide. They're hiding themselves. They don't want the exposure because they see their own guilt and they see their own vulnerability. And so the first thing you do is you go to, you, you've got to protect yourself. You've got to cover up. And I mean, we do this today. We wear masks all the time, even at church. Why do we do that when we're on this side of the cross and we know redemption and restoration are there and real? Well, it's because we're still living outside of the garden. We're still trying to cover ourselves. We're trying to cover our nakedness. And I think there's a part of us that wants to return to the garden when we don't have to hide ourselves anymore. And I think, I think on a certain sense that we can find that that is our destiny. That is our future. God is going to reestablish paradise. And in that we're, we're not going to be clothed with fig leaves to hide ourselves. We're going to be robed in righteousness and it's flipping that image on its head, right? It's taking the work that Satan worked in creation and in, in an effort to ruin creation. And Jesus on the other side of the cross flips it back over and says, Nope, I'm putting it right in this way. And now in this case, it's glorious and it's beautiful. And I, and I think you're right. So yeah, to answer your Peter, I think you're exactly right. I long for that day. I really do. Going back to what we were saying, I think in a certain sense, we can catch small glimpses of that in true and genuine fellowship. I think that's a good place to close. 
Yeah, because we could go on for hours, I bet. Yeah. Hey, this has been good. Thanks, guys. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to when we can do this in person. Yeah, me too. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to visit us at signpostend.org. While you're there, sign up for our e-newsletter and we'll send you a free ebook. Also, a big thanks to all of our supporters. Signpost N is a 501c3 nonprofit ministry, and we exist only because of our generous donors who make everything we do possible. Please consider supporting us with your recurring donation. Visit signpostn.org slash donate.